Well, David is dead. Fuck. Okay. Uh, where did you find him? I found him in admin. Okay. Well, I was doing my tasks in. Uh, well, I was. I started in Med Bay. Uh, I mean, I. I found the body. There's no possible way. There's no reason why I would report. You know, I was you could uh, doing the key card thing where you have to swipe it a bunch. Yeah. Wait. How are uh, you I doing don't know that? why our key cards don't have the chip. We could just put the chip in. <laughs> how, how? Wait. You were doing the task while the body was there. Uh. I mean. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I think, bros. I think, bros. Sus. Uh, yeah, so let everyone vote, vote Brogan, um, and yeah. You always vote me! <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> That's not true. Uh, of course, uh, we, uh, we have been playing Among Us, uh, like everyone and their dog. We're, we're uh, playing a two-year-old game in 2020 because it's the new, it's the new fetch, you know? It is the game of the year, yeah. Um... Right, Among Us is a, uh, in case you don't know, it is a uh, multiplayer game uh, which you can easily play, it's on PC or on uh, uh, phones, and there it's free actually, and it works great. It is, uh, it supports up, for, uh, it supports 4 to 10 players, although uh, higher numbers are recommended. Um, and basically it's a sort of murder mystery thing, uh, in a way, well... Uh, how would you describe it? Uh, um, it, it's a lot like uh, it's a deception game, but it also functions. Yeah. Um, if you've ever played Mafia or Werewolf, it's similar, but it is very different, as we can discuss later. But um, yeah, the the people operate, people mysteriously die, and you have to decide which among you. That's the that's the name, yeah. and uh, are uh, are evil and uh, traitors that should be burned in the lava. Right, and it's sort of a, a race uh, because uh, everyone on the cr in the crew is doing uh, tasks, trying to fill up a task bar, and when that is full, um, the good guys win. Uh, so the um, the imposter, as he's called, uh, has to um, kill um, basically everyone but himself or herself and so, and one p more person. Basically, if two remain, including uh, the imposter, then the imposter wins. So he has to kill everyone else. Uh, and I think the... Um, well, first of all, you can do... You can set a lot of settings in the game, like movement speed, cooldowns on sort of uh, the killer's uh, you know, kill, kill option. Uh, you can sabotage... He can take out different parts of the ship. And I think the, the sabotage function is yeah. very different. If you want to keep going into that, I think that's what separates the game in a major sense. I think a lot of elements separate it, but yes, that that is one of them. Uh, basically, uh, the on a cooldown again, the imposter has the option to sabotage a part of the ship that is responsible for a certain for a certain no, function of, of the player's uh, like field of vision or information they have. So the easiest example is when you take out electrical, uh, the field of vision gets uh, way small as uh, the lights, as the, you know, the, the, the spaceship or whatever turns dark and uh, the other players can't see until they fix the lights. 
Um, Other examples include um, shutting off doors so you actually trap people and segment them. Uh, A problem in more advanced play is when people start grouping together, so that helps. And uh, other sabotages actually create a sense of urgency. It becomes the most important task. You know, the, the team will have like 60 seconds or whatever to solve the single task, so people will be split and diverged. And it will um, sort of divert their attention, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, so some some countdowns you have to tend to because otherwise the game is over, like the oxygen being cut off. Um, <coughs> and yeah, you basically, uh, it uh, serves the function of, like, like you said, as people get better, they group up and you have to find ways to separate them. Um, and there's, again, various ways uh, to do that. You can actually play quite boldly in the game, but uh, we'll get to that. But yes, it's similar to uh, other games, uh, also not only uh, card card games but uh, or tabletop games, uh, but also uh, other video games that were released. Uh, the last one a lot of people might, might remember uh, is uh, a similar game in the last Jackbox, Party Pack 6. Uh, but um, again, I would, I would posit that it is, this one is very different even from the from all from all the other ones basically because um, the well from the tabletop ones because there is a just a an action element you know there it is a video game and it's not a tabletop game so there's an action element a real time you know action element where you walk around you have a field of vision it's dynamic it is uh, a lot about um, you know moving in a certain way but also uh, the characters, you know, they 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 uh, are these sort of colorful, uh, you know, uh, uh, cost costumes basically, um, with no facial expressions or whatever. So there's a lot you can project uh, onto them as mostly uh, suspicions and uh, uh, of the other of the others, uh, and um, you know, every behavior might might seem uh, might seem suspicious. Uh, it's actually pretty pretty. Um, sort of, I, I like the look of it. It is uh, very functional in a way. It's not like a beautiful game, but it's a very functional to serve that paranoia uh, that that uh, starts to to build very quickly in the I, game. I think what's really nice about it is how essential it feels. I I I agree. Yeah. Um, I was going to say I I think there's something very essential about it that I really like. I was going to compare it to a game I previously played called Space Station 13. Um, A very similar premise, but I think there's some key distinctions which make Among Us not only more palatable, but I think when when you bear it down a little bit better, it becomes much more visible, the enjoyment you get from it. Uh, one of the problems of sta- Space Station 13 is that you're given specific roles. Like there is a navigator and then there's an engineer. And you can also do those things and function in those tasks in bad faith or otherwise operate on in them in a much more realistic simulation sense. Which uh, sort of like, it adds a sense of realism in a much more like, uh, it has a different immersive feeling to it. However... It definitely gets in the way, makes things more hectic, and less uh, less unified. There's a less unified approach. Uh, most of there's a lot more times where there will just be complete mess ups 
or complete uh, mistakes and like games will be entirely shot or just chaotic. The, there's a there's a chaos to it that's not appealing. Whereas in Among Us, the chaos is sort of derived entirely from a singular source. And um, it's enjoyable to deal with that and be the one to do it. Yeah. Um, when a body gets discovered, uh, we should mention, basically everything stops. Uh, every, like Nothing matters anymore because you enter into a discussion phase immediately. And you, the only information you have is who is dead. And um, a lot of people playing with randoms and and sort of doing it via text chat. But I believe the only real way like to play this properly is uh, with people in a voice chat. And uh, you mute it during the game, and you unmute yourself to discuss when a body gets found. And the people that are dead stay muted. They can't obviously they can't participate anymore, even though in the game actually uh, they participate still as ghosts. Um, and have to finish their tasks that they had out, uh, still left to do when they died. And also they have the fun thing of being able to communicate with each other and uh, also just watch the killer who killed them, uh, you know, to, to uh, just have an overview uh, of what's going on and uh, can can later uh, sort of report on, uh, fill in some blanks on, on what happened on some kills, uh, which is which is fun. It's, it's, it's a good... It's a weakness of other games uh, that when you get killed, you're and you get let's say you get killed quickly. For example, in Werewolf, you're just out. It's it's just boring. You just have to wait. You can't do anything for the rest of the game. And so this also solves that uh, super neatly. But yeah, uh, the discussions is sort of the the uh, the the sort of core thing here, where uh, you know people just make up. <laughs> lies and uh, uh the killers and uh, others uh, you know you're trying you're struggling to sort of uh, find uh, find out what happened you have to reconstruct basically where everyone was um who whom you saw um what the timeline was on things if if, if certain kills were were uh, likely possible uh, See, or that, not yeah yeah um that that to me is what's also really special about it is the sense of location and um, the the map and sort of all that stuff, it leads to better discourse, right? So when you go into a werewolf game in a card game or other deception games, um, the level of discourse during the discussion is usually really, really shallow um, mm -hmm. in a very bad way where it's just like, especially if it's roles, it's another problem with roles, is it's yeah. sort of like be, it becomes the main focus of conversation where you can just lie about your roles or people just play into their roles too much. Um, with this, it's much more about uh, sensory stuff and it's much more about logic, um, logic through the progression of the game. Wait one second. There is no way Pavlos was in that room at that time. I saw so-and-so over there he must be lying or yeah. what have you and that stuff leads to much better uh detective work and much better sort of uh deceptions a higher level right right but of course then one person like the killer th uh, throws in lies of their own sometimes like very aggressively takes the initiative self-reporting uh the body after killing killing someone um and uh, you know, just making up stuff if it's if it's desperate, like just getting into uh, word against word uh, situations uh, if ha if it, if they have to. Uh, 
because yeah, it can. I think the toughest toughest situation is when there's uh, four people remaining. That's uh, that's tough because people the people group up. You can group up in duos, and for example, or you can all group up together. And of course, uh, the person who is the killer uh, in some form uh, has to break up that symmetry. So we like yesterday we had a game where um, uh, we were in duos in that phase with four people left, and um, the killer left his guy, came over to us, sabotaged the lights so that you could barely see, uh, came up to us and uh, killed uh, killed me, and so um, basically the the other guy who I was with and uh, the killer. Well, the killer immediately reported and sort of immediately um, uh, accused the other guy, who of course knew what was what was going on. But they ha- he had to com- convince the third uh, uh, in that scenario, like the guy was left alone, and the guy who was left alone didn't like it. It was actually it was a word against word situation. But if you think logically about it, um, which which uh, eluded <laughs> the third person in that case, the killer is the one who is interested in breaking that symmetry in that case. Um, and so it's a lot about sort of logical or at least you know so, like social I don't know how would you call it like so, so certain social logic. Uh, um, and it it is very interesting uh, the angles from which you can uh, sort of deduce uh, things. Um, I really really enjoy that. And, and, and uh, I think yeah, I think an interesting thing is also you acknowledge it when you when you say like the sort of half things, or it's like when logic doesn't work, when yeah. when things happen in spite of logic. You've done it to me where you you would call out a body, but there's other times where uh, one game I played was. Uh, Three people left. Um, it was on the planet map with the lava, and uh, the person sabotage or the the imposter sabotaged, and uh, we had to two people had to hold the levers. And logically, I went to do it because I wasn't the imposter. Then another person did, and then as I was walking down, I immediately saw a person that could not have possibly lifted the lever. Now the the imposter could have murdered somebody at the time. He could have just waited at the other lever and waited for the guy to come and kill him. So logically, I thought, there's no way that guy is not the killer. And so I voted him. And, like, it, it was a lose-lose no matter what unless I had the, the wherewithal to understand um, the reactions during discussion. I, I, I would have had to have read properly how everyone talked. And... Mm. And that's sort of like a really hard thing to do um, in spite of logic and in spite of your own readings. You have to come to terms with what makes sense and what doesn't. Probabilities, for instance, you know, just because someone's been imposter five games in a row does not mean he's not imposter this game. You know, it, you have to yeah. go away with your, with your preconceptions and just understand the game as it is at that moment. Yes, that for sure you cannot like. Uh, the, sometimes people bring this up, and it's a, uh, st- a stupid, sentimental argument. And every time I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. previous games do not matter. It's completely. It does not matter what happened in the previous game. You have to focus on every game individually, 
Uh, of course, you can take stock of people's behaviors and sort of try to profile them in some way. But uh, but yeah, like the results and the roles of different games of the previous games have absolutely no bearing on the current one. So um, yeah, people argue very differently. And uh, uh, right, it is definitely a game in my extremely in my wheelhouse. Um, I really really like the you know, thinking logically about 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 things i would say of course information lack of information is also it's usually the the the, the biggest obstacle uh, just when no one observed enough or didn't or they don't remember uh, new people of course have to definitely learn to stay be observant and remember stuff that they did um also notice bodies <laughs> that's uh, a hurdle for some to notice bodies well i mean like human error is like such a big thing in this if everyone played perfectly it would be very very hard for the for the imposter but um nobody plays perfectly um there's different kinds of human error i would say but yes yeah i know i mean i agree and some are more equal than others for sure (laughs) Yeah, yeah but but that but that being said is i think that's also what makes the game really special and that's how you can distinguish different types of players Right, and we should say about the game, just to have it also just as a game, sort of critique it a bit, I would say uh, there's, um, you know, there's three different maps. It's great that it's absolutely free on phones and it works right there. Uh, There's three different maps with different sort of tasks and, of course, different layouts and sort of all have one or two uh, like special mechanics. Uh, um, For example, how the vent system works, that's something the killer can use to get around and escape um and and sort of different machines that are in there that where the players can monitor something uh they all have their um they all have their their individual uh uh sort of yeah specific uh, uh mechanics and that's really good uh the costumes are funny um uh one thing i would i would like is um um the maps uh, because one hurdle is definitely that you, at this when you start out, you uh, you have to learn the names of locations, and I think it would be great if on the discussion screen there would be a, a map, uh, the map that you play on, um, so that you can more easily refer to uh, the locations. I always have one open in my browser just so I can look up the names of. of, of I, I wouldn't you know, mind like a stuff. note system either, like a note system for the maps. Where you can just like make little doodles on like who's been where or something. Sure, uh, maybe I don't know if that how feasible that would be. But what you could do would be a for you just for you a, a li- just a list of all of the player names. Or I mean they're there, so you could also just have mark do the marks on the you know because you have to vote for someone, so you already have the player names on screen. Perhaps you can do uh you could have like some stock uh sort of marks where you can mark someone as suspicious or mark someone as okay for me that guy that guy's definitely 100% innocent so I don't have to you know just have that marked there and so stuff stuff like that but you know it's stuff that you can manually do bring up the map you can take notes of course on the sheet of paper but uh, I think in- integrating some of that stuff um, it could be done very easily and it wouldn't sort of it wouldn't change the game it would just be a convenience uh thing so uh i agree but yeah they are working um, on it and uh yeah, yeah. no you um i would i would ask you in a more much more general sense is this the kind of multiplayer game you prefer 
Like, um, like, how do you approach multiplayer? I, we we've barely talked about multiplayer games or multiplayer components in this podcast so far. So, I, I guess where mm-hmm. do you stand on that? I uh, I I I really like this. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say this is I wouldn't say prefer because that sounds like I you know like it more than other kinds of multiplayer. But uh, I um, I would say that. I would put it like this: for this kind of multiplayer game, I I can't play it with random people. Uh, so this is the kind of multiplayer game that really thrives with people I know and playing in voice chat and you know having just the right conditions uh, for it. Um, but of course, I can also just play a game, you know, typical competitive multiplayer game where it's just me and I, you know, uh, I play for myself. Three sixty no scope. <laughs> right, I don't play that. Uh, don't play shooters that that much. I guess uh, most I've probably played multiplayer is like I don't know if you'll count Overwatch. That's team based, but uh, yeah, no, um, but I mean, yeah, that, like I, would, I would still consider that. I, I think teammate teammate multiplayer is definitely another separate interesting component. Like there's free for all, but then there's also sort of team yeah. composition and team things that allow you to be competitive. I like competitive games. Um, so like it's always just a weird element for me. Yeah, I, I personally don't like teams most of the time because I don't trust teams. Um, right. I mean, uh, here it's like it's not really team, right? It's like no, <laughs> you have to determine whether one is on a team or not. So uh, it is, uh, yeah, it is much more the the conversational party game in a way. Um, but I really like how intense the discussions get and like. Uh, yeah, that the game is able to create a space where, like, you know, things get heated and uh, <laughs> people people really have to have to lie. And it's about yeah, no, it's, it's something something where you really um, where you can really get uh, pissed if the others don't understand that you have figured this it all out and uh, you have all the logic uh, that that's necessary and uh, why are all my friends so dumb you're right why, why am I the only smart one and then of course <laughs> you feel great also when if you wriggle out as the killer ah uh, there's definitely some great like already uh, we had like three longer sessions with uh, people uh, I think um, with Twin Geeks uh, people and uh, um even yeah, and and I already have like a a handful of of really, to me really great stories. Uh, one last night was so great where, you know, uh, when you use the vents, only the killer can use the vents. So one of us uh, saw me, didn't saw me, didn't see me come out of the vent, but saw me like came came into a room after I got out of it. So I was standing still on the vent, and so we just stared at each other for three or four seconds <laughs> and then I, I did like a little wriggle with my character to signal like handshaking like no no don't report me <laughs> because uh you can also just hit a button to report uh, to get a discussion going if you if because otherwise you can only do it if you find a body so he of course started uh he, you know he, he of course uh, started poking it to that button and i was like behind him uh trying to kill him before he could get there um and uh, I got lucky because uh, I there's a decontamination corridor uh, on one of the maps, and I got into that right behind him as like a second before the door closed. And then of course he had to wait for the 
front door or the other door, the other side of the corridor to the door to open so you are stuck for a second because the walk speed is the same so if if you could have just uh, kept going i couldn't have caught up um see that that sounds so scary that sounds like a true horror scenario indeed i killed him i jumped into the vent and then um and then another uh, friend uh, f- found him, and like they were together up to that point, and they really just split up for like you know a really brief period of time. Uh, they split up in, in the area they they were in, so uh, it was a super close call. Uh, and and it's not always a close call. It's it's first of all it's a close call, but then of course you have to survive the discussion. Like you can't appear suspect, um, and. Uh, you have to pretend uh, like you were doing stuff, you know, like a regular. We are, we have spent roommate. 25 minutes on Among Us, Pablo. It's it's worth it. Like, I think it's <laughs> fantastic. I think they should keep uh, working on it, expanding on it. Uh, some quality of life stuff would be great. New maps. Uh, but final question I've got for you on this: Is yeah. it a better flavor of the month than Fall Guys? Funny that you mentioned that because before we started recording, I was like, "Ha, we did." Uh, so Among Us, we we sort of Fall Guys was the other uh, game du jour uh, type uh, uh, we we discussed uh, that's like popular on the Twitch and 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 stuff. We're and hit. I think is a it's a, a vast <laughs> vast uh, gulf between these in terms of longevity and substance uh, to me. Um, I wasn't the one praising Fall Guys that episode, if y'all remember, dear listeners. Anyways. Anyway, <laughs> this is a Daydream cast, uh, in case you didn't know. Um, I'm Pavlos. And I'm Brogan. And uh, yeah, we 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 spent uh, half an hour on this. That's totally fine, or almost. Uh, We're going to spend totally more fine. on this than a Clock Tower, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Our game of the week. A bunch of time on Clock Tower. We have a couple smaller stuff to uh, talk about it. To talk about uh, before that, um, you had some like a, some a piece of news that you wanted to quickly mention, right? Yeah, I wanted to talk about good old games. More so, Konami. Um, good old games has been releasing um, Konami content. Um, the Metal Gear Solid stuff. They just recently, as of a few days ago, released Silent Hill Four: The Room. Um, and I wanted to talk about those ports and I, obviously I, you know, good old games is not the, the developers that are porting the, the games. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the ports themselves are, uh, really, really old, at least for the Metal Gear Solid stuff. Um, the Metal Gear Solid stuff, um, are both the old PC ports from fucking Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> and that's uh, not acceptable nowadays. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 is almost unplayable. You need mm. a fan patch even now to play it. Cool. Good is, job, Isn't Konami. that fucking crazy? Yeah, I mean, you could say GOG shouldn't accept these, but yeah, of course. I, uh, I mean, I, look, man, yes, I agree. Ultimate blame Konami, but like, secret blame GOG. I like good old games too. Yeah. For the most part, on the whole, I I am pro good old games. Um, Absolutely. But but this this is a particular, uh, you know, just blemish that I wanted to just highlight. Yeah. Um, it's just sad. Right. I, I don't know how else to say it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, I heard from someone that the Silent Hill Four port is not 
uh, an older iteration or anything so it's probably yeah. less lazy but even then like it, it just feels weird uh, I do like the the regular secret series of Brogan uh, slamming uh, inadequate uh, ports uh, of PS2 games uh, on various platforms. So uh, look, I'm man, glad that's continuing. If, <laughs> if if you are worse than my emulation of it, there's a major problem. If yeah. you're gonna take your your fucking I haven't talked about this, but like the Silent Hill collection, the Silent Hill 2, if you're going to slap on Comic Sans everywhere and get rid of the fog, then yeah, I'm going to complain a little bit. Yeah, boy, that's, oh god, I've, uh, yeah, why did you remind me of that collection? Well, to be fair, it's uh, scary in its own way, I guess. I guess. Um, Moving on, uh, remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about uh, whipping out my 3DS again. Uh, after well, both my 3DSs, I should say, my old and new one. We all know Pavlos loves whipping it out. Right. Uh, and <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, the yeah, I had to fix the battery in in the new one. Uh, meanwhile, I hacked the other one. Well, hacking hacking it, I don't know why. Hacking it is totally legal. Uh, I right. So um, uh, that's totally fair game. And I did that. Fair thing, <laughs> and I hacked it. Uh, and uh, I've been playing. Um, I've been playing some stuff on the new one again, uh, but uh, not going to talk about that today. Uh, I will talk about um, getting some two things. First of all, sort of getting some uh, eShop games that I uh, uh, was afraid would get delisted at some point, and uh, so uh, I wanted to 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 get them before they they. They did. Um, what titles? Uh, some DSiWare stuff, um, because I feel like it's a miracle that the DSiWare games are still being offered in the mm-hmm. eShop. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's going to be a day where it's gone, so definitely snap and, as, as soon as possible. Yeah, and it's not... Um, it's The way it's, it works on 3DS is actually that they get stored in the system memory, memory which is really small. Uh, DSiWare games. You can't store them on the SD card. Um, so you can only ever have, I would say, like six or seven DSiWare games in the system memory. The others you can have downloaded on your 3DS. Uh, you can move them to the SD card, but you can't launch them from the SD card. Uh, and when you move something to the SD card, you, uh, you lose your save. So basically, uh, you know, you don't uh, don't start a DSiWare game on your 3DS and move it to the SD card, store it on the SD card uh, uh, bef- um, before you, I guess, finish it or you're done with it because you will lose the, the save. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad they're still available there, but I feel like they could have come up with a solution to have them be launchable from the SD card, but okay. That sounds uh, like not- a nightmare. I don't. I don't do. I don't. I don't make handhelds. Um, right. Uh, there's a there's a game by the Ika, uh, Ikaruga um, developer, uh, I- Kokuga. It's called the game, uh, and it's already been delist- delisted, and it can't be. Uh, I don't think it's supposed to be that great, but I really wanted to. I, I well, really is actually exaggerated, but uh, I wanted to check it out, and uh, I can't now. It's not. 
anywhere. So that was sort of you a see, wake up yeah, call. Yeah, like to, even uh, if the game is like mediocre or whatever, like delisting games is like one of the major reasons why physical yeah. media does still matter, even if I don't have any. <clears throat> and yeah, just in general, game preservation, of course, it's it's important, uh, very important. Uh, so yeah, uh, I decided actually against Rayman. <laughs> There's a DSiWare version of Rayman, uh, and I. It has. It's weird. There's a couple of Rayman, you know, ports. There's also one on GBA, uh, and they all have like small differences. Interestingly enough, it's really like this is not a. It's not a straight port of the PS1 uh, original. It has like small differences. So someone, some work was put into it. Uh, it didn't sound like it was. Uh, it didn't sort of uh, from the list I read. Uh, it didn't seem like it was a positive, like, uh, net result overall. So uh, some stuff sounded better, but a lot of stuff sounded like, uh, um, you know, sounded worse than the original. So I decided against getting it, but it's still on there. Maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. Uh, and either way, um, yeah, I did that. Art style games are on DSiWare. Um, those are always uh, cool little puzzle things. Um you know, varying quality. I'm so surprised Nintendo hasn't done a collection of them, uh, like the co uh, comprehensive art style works <laughs> or whatever. Um, have you played any of those, uh, by the way? I have not. Um, these are these are mostly new to me. For the, oh. the, the they're they're in the back of my subconscious, but I have mm -hmm. never picked them up. Yeah, they started, I think, on GBA. Uh, some are on DSiWare, some are, I think, on WiiWare. Um, and it could be a really, really neat collection. Like, that would be a really neat, sort of neat neat, uh, neat puzzle game collection. They're all, like, I, I, really sort of small, um, yeah, just small puzzle games. Um, I mean, like I definitely miss the days where... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. A minimalist art style. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> well, I would say that the biggest... Um, Nintendo, I've always wondered about like what, how they, how they package. I mean, we're like, we're not going to talk about the Mario collection today, but it's sort of like a, they have, they seem to have multiple minds about how they want to release old content. And I think ideally putting it into collections and making it a bona fide product that's reliable and good is the most desirable, if mm -hmm. not um, an actual virtual console thing with, uh, full support. Um, either of those sound preferable to um, their their mm -hmm. weird system now, which seems to be a very limited serve like streaming service, and mm -hmm. then uh, occasional uh, collections of like three Mario games. You know, yeah. um, I, Although, I think they've been devolving. They are in a way, I would say, devolving. Yes, yeah. And it's so sad because at the same time they are far and away they have the, they they deal with uh, their own legacy uh, the best out of the three big uh, console uh, developers. Um, like if you look at Sony, that's absolutely pitiful. They it's complete lack of respect and complete lack of interest in uh, in their own history. Uh, and that's like that's basically um, like compared to that. Nintendo is doing amazingly. N Nintendo but, at um, least is aware of the market there. They and they, and they always, still cater. Yeah, yeah. 
they've all, I guess they've always set the standard there and within that standard, within their own standard, they've been definitely taking some steps back, making some questionable decisions for sure. It's always like, although it's always a mixed bag, it's like, then you have a couple of really cool ones in there, like parts of what they, tr like, for example, the Switch one, it's so, it's really cool that you can just easily play, you know, within, just play co-op, play, play, play with, uh, have a second player, uh, just via the online. That's really, really neat. Um, but, uh, and, and then a couple of game choices there are also really neat. But at the same time, other stuff is uh, a blatant um, uh, step back. So it's always, <laughs> it is always uh, very sort of, sort of complicated with, uh, with what they improve on and what they, uh, what they sort of, I don't know, uh, at, you know, uh, devolve on, like, as you put it. Um, I agree. But yeah, I think the overall trend is a bit negative. <clears throat> has been we'll negative. see what happens as it goes on. I think yeah. I think this is a growing pain stage as far as uh, services go, um, especially for video games. Um, I think Microsoft is really the only uh, online service that completely and intuitively understands its business model. Um, I don't think Nintendo really has a plan for Switch Online or like the NES Online, SNES and all that. I don't think they have a plan beyond release three games every six months. Um, and yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, Microsoft definitely doesn't have the uh, same history of games to, uh, you know, think about. Um, although, you know, it's, it's not that much. But Microsoft um, still has the, you know, not awareness of that and supplements it with, uh, actual content. Like, you know, Sony's system is way worse in the fact that, like, yeah, oh, it's yeah. mostly, you know, Sony exclusives. And then it's like, what are the third parties they get? Or what are the, the quote-unquote triple A's they get? Or just any sort of game worth playing? Much less. Uh, it's a much less impressive catalog. Uh, Microsoft well, I'm, I'm just... really talking about dealing with your own uh, history. like the, Oh, oh for sure. Microsoft just doesn't have a history. <laughs> well, they, I was about to say it's it's less to deal with, but it's, at the same time, it's one generation uh, yeah. that separates them from Sony, if you think about it. So it's not Look, that bring much, back Blinks uh, the Time Sweeper is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I would say they're doing okay with three, uh, 360 stuff. The back uh, backwards compatibility on that was, was good. And um, all that stuff is also just available digitally, the thing that things they could get for backwards compatibility. Uh, and there's some Xbox stuff there as well. But uh, obviously with the Xbox, like the original Xbox... Uh, that's very selective that's uh you can't really call that a you know library but they're doing fine i mean i'm they they're for me like they 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 do okay and uh they do definitely more than the bare minimum and sony doesn't even hit the bare minimum well I, yeah the, i mean i guess i guess by that bare minimum i i i i emphasize again like they know what they're doing with their model i don't think like i think sony also tries to like when Sony tried to do the fucking PlayStation move or whatever, there's a lot of times where uh, other companies will just run for trends, like imitating other things. Like, same with the thing with the Kinect. But again, Microsoft at least has a coherent sense of what to do now. And the other companies don't, I think. So there's room for improvement mm, in a way. That's know? okay. I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. That's a different <laughs> argument. That's a different argument. Are, are we jumping into I, hot take time now? No, no, I I think I I don't I don't think I disagree that much. I, I see what you mean. I like I think 
Microsoft has a game plan and a lot of people don't like it because they also, they're saying, oh, uh, they're making their own console obsolete by their, you know, by having the PC support. But regardless of how you find that, that is a game plan and one that generally benefits people, like uh, benefits everyone because you can just play those games on, on PC as well. Uh, it's always weird. I, I agree, and I mean, I, I also think it's uh, forward thinking. It's always uh, weird when people talk about as if they're responsible for the earnings of a company. Like, uh, <laughs> it's like I <laughs> like people talking like, "Oh, why are they putting this, this stuff on PC? They will make much less. Like, they will get much uh, fewer. Uh, you know, people buying the the Xbox. Like, this is this shouldn't be your concern. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. Um, I will actually call my other uh, the game uh, the game I've been mainly playing on 3ds. Uh, also because I I haven't well because we're pretty progressed like uh, and pretty far into this podcast already and also I'm uh, I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm in, I, this is the great Ace Attorney by the way uh, um, the Japan exclusive. Uh, uh, it's turning on 3DS. I will talk about it next time. I will have finished it uh, by then. I'm in case four. Um, so if you don't object, <laughs> let's go to uh, Hot Take Central, also known as Hot Take Minute in Europe. It's Hot Take Central time! Fire sound effects. Fireworks. Boom, 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 boom. All right. All right, you start. Okay. I'm going to start this hot Actually, not that hot. You probably agree. I don't know. <laughs> Ignoring Clock Tower, because I think Clock Tower does it right. I think most of the time, survival horror games need a com like a, a like a strong combat system, or at least a way to deal with enemies beyond hiding. Um, especially if the enemies are scripted. I think it's a major problem I have with like a game like Outlast. When I played Outlast, I was just very underwhelmed. Um, usually in my, like, and it's one of the reasons why I like Resident Evil. Um, there's a, there's a trade-off to it, but I like the feeling of having enough agency to have a weapon to defend myself and then being weak enough to still not beat the enemy or otherwise, you know, whatever. If there's a sort of imbalance in that, it removes the horror from me. If it's an invincible enemy, I have no hope of, uh, dealing with in any sort of circumstance other than running away. I don't care. It becomes a scripted thing almost to me. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. It feels way less uh, progressive. Um, I think like older games like Clock Tower, Clock Tower does it well enough, and uh, there's I have no problem with it. But on the whole, I think survival horror is much better when there's more more uh, uh, engaging elements to it like that. Basically, action elements. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that. Uh, I don't mind something like Fatal Frame either. Like I, I, I think as long as there's a way to deal and a sort of a, a yeah. process in which you can handle things, um, it, it's fine for me. It doesn't necessarily need to be a Devil May Cry game. Yeah, I meant action in the technical sense of uh, yeah. direct input, and uh, usually it also means like some sort of combat or yeah. Um, sure. Right. Um. My well, my reaction to that is, but what about Clock Tower? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I would say that's kind of a counterexample. I mean, we'll talk about it in a bit, but um, um, 
I mean, also I, maybe you don't even rate it that highly. Uh, but, I'm uh, not. I'm not but, dismissing the the use of it, and I I think Clock Tower does it really well. Um, more so, it's just talking about general preference. But mm, that being said, sure. um, but that being said, I I think Clock Tower does speak for some of it. We'll get into what I think happened to uh, what Clock Tower did for those games and what I think. Uh, similar types of games now exist as and i think i think later iterations probably are failing on that i mean i i definitely think of this in a sort of modern context of like what games are releasing now um less so than the legacy if people want yeah. to uh sure. look back at some of the classics yeah. and learn from them i think that's still a good move um okay no i think uh, i think i can generally yeah i don't think it's a hugely uh uh, hot take to me at all because um, I yeah uh, I think the more thrill ridey um, adventure games uh, sorry uh, horror games um, where you're basically just uh, they 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 have a tendency of just running through the a gallery of uh, of of you know different um, scares different job scares and and whatever different. Uh, and that stuff is not interesting to me uh, either. So, um, so yeah, I I don't disagree. Uh, All right. So that that maybe... take wasn't a firework. It it no. simpered off. All right. Go ahead and bring a, me your hot take. I have a caveman. I have a caveman uh, level take. Uh oh. Just in terms of <laughs> just in terms of the argument construction, it's a simple. This is the best of the series again, I think, because I, I did, that, did that last week uh, with regard uh, last time with regard to Metroid. So I'll do it again. Uh, I, in my opinion, Silent Hill One is the best Silent Hill game, um, and this is from someone who will acknowledge that one, two, uh, two and three are really great. I uh, won't fault anyone for naming any of those uh, as their favorite. Um, but not the uh, four, four is interesting, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it is four is one of the most interesting failures to me. Uh, it's super like, and I have a soft spot for it, but it's not great. Um, I like shattered memories, but uh, would put it quite up there. Uh, but it is it is worth playing. Um, and yes, one is for me uh, the um, well, let's say two is and one and two are. Qu- really different because two uh goes with the mental health uh um uh sort of sort of subtext and really uh you know makes it all about that puts it at the at the center uh, of everything and you know it is it is at the same it is both uh, very mysterious about it but also um you know quite overt it is uh you know it doesn't make uh sort of uh it doesn't 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 hide the fact that it's sort of uh okay it, it wears its themes on its sleeve or whatever um and uh, and yeah, one is uh, more straightforward <laughs> i would say yeah uh but um uh, um okay wait 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 go ahead i would say the atmosphere is for me the best in one i think the look of the game and the look of the cutscenes as well are just the the sort of extremely iconic to me and sort of enhance everything about it uh sort of a perfect storm for me there um and 
and yeah, also just the I don't know. Also the, I would say the narrative is the most uh, engaging to me as well. Go ahead. All right, Pavlos. I think I think you need a new host because I I don't know if I agree with you, but I ultimately understand where you're coming from. I think <laughs> I think I'm torn between one and three. I was my I was originally going to have a Silent Hill hot take for this segment, and the hot take was going to be three was my favorite. Mm. Um, I think, I think the reason why I liked three and I, why I respect it, even though I think it does make more just definitive mistakes is because, um, it sort of blends the two in a way that was the only way for the, for the series to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the cult stuff and sort of the much more, uh, satanic or occult, uh, aesthetic is essential to the series and i think rooting it entirely around mental health or uh sickness is not problematic but it's limiting and i think Mm -hmm. also doesn't pay tribute to sort of an essential aspect of the series um i think blending it with um you know the protagonists uh not to spoil anything but you know cheryl's uh, journey is uh, really clever. It's it's a it's a nice weaving, even if it's not subtle mm-hmm. in its own way. Um, aesthetically, I also agree. Um, I think the PlayStation One's aesthetic is probably uh, the strongest, or at least the most enduring. Um, I think people who have a fondness for three and two's aesthetic, um, it's sort of like a rubbery, to, like offsetting. Um, Mm-hmm. fake animation aesthetic and that's not necessarily uh enduring it may just be nostalgia speaking to it um yeah. we'll find out in another couple years i guess right um i'll, I'll also say that uh sort of silent hill is always uh, has always been sort of the um sort of the spatial representation always like already off off you know um, the psyche of the protagonist, so it is already a meditation on on the you know that psychological that psychological element is ingrained like um, into the series already. So I also agree that to the sort of um, maybe puts too much for my test. It's still a great game, but it just focuses too much on that card. Uh, I, I'm glad um, it exists, and, sort of, uh, and maybe it's time for another one like it, but I mm-hmm. did not... I would not want that to be the defining factor of the franchise. Right. Um, Alright. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I, I don't need... And, you know, I don't need a new host. <laughs> it's just, uh, uh, this, uh, we, we agree a <laughs> but, lot, but, but, you know... But it's uh, the only way to warm these takes. Nothing new here. Uh, I had another take, but then I remembered that Brogan will completely agree. So I went with one where I had hope that maybe he, you know, will take a bit more offense. But I, yeah, it's little, it's little it's did tough, you guys. know, it's tough coming up with something that uh, where we differ on. Uh, believe me. Anyway, Th- that's uh, why we bring the guests on so we can just yeah. completely trash their take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to uh, we need to read the uh, have the delayed reactions from people in for our hot takes in in the next episodes. So it's just to sort of read a um, summary of sort of you know like press reviews, but it's you know the it's it's the reactions of, of our listeners. Because uh, I'm sure people uh, are like, no, you guys are wrong, and I would love to hear those comments. So 
Yeah. Um, so we move on uh, to to our game of the week, and it's uh, you know we've been talking about uh, horror games uh, here, and uh, not without not not you know it's not a coincidence uh, uh, because our game of the week is uh, Clock Tower. Um, this is a game from uh, that was originally released uh, on the Super Famicom. Uh, it always remained Japan only. Um, in '95, it's uh, developed by and published by Human Entertainment, who was a pretty no well-known uh, developer. Um, doesn't exist uh, anymore in that state. The developers have went elsewhere, including the creator uh, of the series, uh, Hifumi Kono. Um, you know they they're known for such games at, uh, like um, you know on the NES uh, Kabuki Quantum Fighter or Monster Party, which is a really weird uh, horror game, horror platformer. Um, they did a lot of sports stuff, um, uh, Fi- uh, Fire Pro, um, and and others. They did a Twilight Syndrome on PS1, it was just another sort of uh, fan-darling uh, horror series, but less known, you know, not, not quite as well-known. They did The Fireman on SNES, which is also pretty pretty cool. Uh, we should do a fire, uh, one of the Fireman games at some point. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, this is uh, in Clock Tower. Um, it was ported uh, to PC and PlayStation in 97 with some enhancements, uh, which mainly are graphical in nature. Some insert close-ups on certain I- sort of I- certain items, certain situations where you get a little animation for something. Um, but overall, really nothing, you know, nothing too major. I, I actually played the PlayStation version. Uh, to speak yeah. candidly, the the most practical way to play this is emulation. Not saying I did it, but I'm saying if yeah. one were to do it, it would if be the way, and then it. you would translate a uh, yes. or you would uh, patch in a translation. Um, yes, there's a fan translation which I think is totally adequate. Uh, yeah, and um, I would kill for an official port of this original Clock Tower well, and a like yeah. an official translation. Um, but you know, of, of course, uh, if uh, you know if you don't play the PlayStation version, there's also the '99 Wonderswan <laughs> version which you can <laughs> check out. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's actually no, it's it's really funny that it exists. It's like a you know, of course, black and white. Um, uh sort of uh, you know limited port of it uh interesting i find it interesting i like you know demakes like this and uh, find them pretty interesting but but yeah no playstation and that version is called the first fear windows and playstation um so uh funnily enough it did get re-released a couple of times in japan but only in japan like it's on psn it is and it's on both wii and wii u uh, virtual console the playstation and famicom versions respectively um so it's not like super uh buried or anything it's just never made it out here even though a lot of people know it here it's one of those games i would say that one of those japan only games that a lot of people still have played and uh, are aware of um and of course it got sequels which did make it out here uh but uh Maybe we'll talk about them later. But what is um, Clock Tower, Pavlos? Like, what what do yeah. you do in it? Right. Well, you uh, climb a clock tower. You have a whip, uh, 
and uh, you kill Medusa heads. Uh, you you are but, you are sorry. You, you you're joking. <laughs> I will turn this into a Castlevania podcast in <laughs> five seconds. Uh, if sorry, you so mixed, deem up, it. mixed up my notes here. Uh, wrong, wrong game. Uh, right. Ah, it is an adventure game. Uh, yeah, it's an adventure game with horror elements. Uh, that's how. That's my. That's how I would put it personally. I I, um, I would agree. We'll get yes. into it more later. But yeah. it is a. It is a. It's a horror adventure game. Um. It. It is. It came out at the time. I would say it is in that. Uh. Obviously, horror games or games with horror themes, which I should say, um, have existed in the eighties and and and, and etc. But um, uh, often people cite uh, Alone in the Dark uh, as the first. Uh, you know. Uh, pre-cur- like the precursor to the modern survival horror game, and uh, so Clock Tower is one of uh, you know, sort of came out around that time. It is one of those uh, formative early uh, survival horror games. But unlike many others, it it is a it is point and click in in nature. Um, you follow a uh, a girl called Jennifer Simpson, who is uh, modeled after uh, Jennifer Connelly's character in. Uh, Dario Argento's uh, phenomena. Like this game is a big homage in general to Argento's uh, films. Um, we can get into that later. Um, and you control her, you can control her movement directly, but mostly you also control her cursor. You click on stuff, she walks over to it very slowly and, uh, and you know, comments on it. Uh, you have items that you can use, that you pick up and that you can use on stuff. Um, and um, the horror comes from, well, the setting and you being chased by a uh, little guy with giant scissors called Scissor Man, who uh, will chase you at various points of the game and uh, try to kill you. And you have to uh, either use traps or or, or hide from him. Uh, right. That's the that's the basic premise of it. Um, I agree, and uh, I guess did you want to go into anything else? I, I would say I would say that an interesting thing about it is sort of uh, I, it functionally it is like a, an adventure game in the point and click aspect. But I think what was nice about it was that the quote unquote puzzles and what you did was much less intensive than adventure game logic and there's a reason for that in a normal adventure game you would need to combine this and that to use Mm -hmm. in some weird way to solve an esoteric sort of weird problem creatively mostly for comedic effect here it has to be much more immediate because you're being hunted down by a little monster person with a giant pair of scissors Mm -hmm. um scissorman as i like to call him i think his name is daniel or bobby if I know my yeah, I mentioned I mentioned the name. I said that he's called Scissorman. <laughs> no, but but like I I there's spoiler alert. There's two there's two brothers. I don't know which brother it is. Is what I'm saying. Anyways anyways, you're being chased by him, so you don't necessarily have time to yeah. have to solve these crazy problems. Um, instead, you can do basic things. Um, I think some of the more creative ways to hide or take care of things or enter new rooms are the primary purposes. An easy example would be you're going down a hallway, you need to put a plank down to go over a gap. Um, so you put the plank down, you go over the gap, but as you're going, the guy comes and it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, now you have to click and run, and when you run, we'll get into it, but it tires you out. 
um, and puts you into a different state. But anyways, you go over the gap, you pick up the plank, and then he can't go over. He'll trip over, and he will uh, fall down, and you have you have prevented a death from you. Or you have prevented another chase. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> you did it. Uh Right. When you end, when you die, I like how it's called dead end. Uh, the, it's like almost a Dark Souls uh, font uh, pops up and it's like dead end. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, one of the mechanics, basically, you see the screen and you see your character in it, just like in an adventure game. And at the same time, the bottom half is a portrait of you, which um, shows your face in more detail and also has this color, colored background that indicates your uh, health status. And um, if your status is uh, bad, if it's in a you know panic mode, basically you trip, you start tripping over, you're slower, and basically every scare will kill you immediately. Um, whereas when you have the health up, which you can get up also by sort of uh, idling and sitting on the floor, you can you can uh, recover. Um, you uh, can get in, you can ha fight um, people, and you can fight the scissor man. Uh, by um, mashing the button. So the portrait will start flashing. When you then uh, press the button rapidly, you can uh, escape. Like you uh, don't get killed immediately. You can you uh, can can get past uh, Scissorman, for example, and escape a death. But of course, if you keep running, you will tire out and uh, you know you, you will ultimately have to find a place to, to hide and uh, have the encounter basically be, be over. Um, but uh, I would say uh, what what I liked was that um, the the th again the threat I would say was bigger as the sort of was more effective uh, in terms of horror than the actual thing. So the uh, threat looming and you know the the knowledge of this person running around in this mansion uh, and the the, the um, prospect of being chased was much. Uh, more horrifying than being chased, which ultimately uh, didn't happen to me uh, uh, basically at all, aside from once or twice uh, that I got chased. Um, so, you know, the thing I thought this series was known for, it barely happened to me, but it wasn't necessary uh, to to uh, create the, you know, to create a sense of, of fright and, and terror uh at all because the prospect of it was was already was was more key in that uh in inducing that um so uh i don't know I, how, I, how I, you uh how you went i, I, I can on. go into this um yeah i i would say i would say there are okay first off i agree with the setting thing i sort of love the threat They're, they also put in sort of set details so you can sort of feel like it like they'll even say out loud you feel like you're being watched or whatever and in certain rooms like say the music room you can actually see the killer peeking out and watching you he's not even going to jump out and scare you he's just going to be there um and that sort of really lends to things mm -hmm. in a in a nice way and um i think there are I didn't go into a lot of jump scares either, but I think it, one of the reasons is because we used walkthroughs. At least I did. Yeah. Um, I think when you play the game through trial and error, there are a lot of moments that can or can't happen. This is a game with heavy uh, use of branching paths and brain, not not necessarily not progression, but, but more like branching scenes. I think is a better way to say it, where mm -hmm. you can see something happen and that mm -hmm. would possibly reflect later. 
or there's an item you can pick up or an action you can do that can yeah. affect a later ending. That's an easier That's, way to say that right, than right. actual level design. Right. Um, right, right. But that being said, um, that that does lend well to nice jump scares or what have you, where um, you'll peek in, like you can pull a little curtain and you can see a guy, or you can pull a curtain and you won't see a guy. I don't know. I don't know if it's actually random or if it's based on where you are in your gameplay route. But it's interesting that mm -hmm. that happens nonetheless, and it yeah. keeps you on your toes. Right. So there's I can name the key things that basically differ. So basically, uh, there's two characters that you can meet, uh, which will give you the crucial information, like in a run, I mean. So these things, uh, you either get one thing or the other thing in your run. Um, what can what also changes is uh, the you. So you're a, an orphan. And you get adopted by a you know wealthy uh, dude uh, who lives in this mansion called the Clock Tower, um, and uh, you get there with two other, um, sorry, uh, with three other uh, orphans actually. You get adopted, and then after uh, you get brought there by a woman, um, the 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 lights go out. The other orphans and Miss Anne, who is the woman that brought you over from the orphanage, they all disappear, and that's when you, Jennifer, you know, start uh, trying to figure out what happened and uh, get get chased by this guy. And uh, so the other, uh, this is not a big spoiler. I mean, the other, uh, the other orphans die or can die rather, and uh, that's also a thing that will vary basically. Um, is who dies and how many die. This will also depend on stuff like, uh, well, some of that stuff you actually have in your, like, depends on your actions. Like, for example, um, you hear a scream at one point, and if you look out the window, you see a person get thrown out the window and die. If you don't look out the window, um, it's basically like it didn't happen. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I streamed this uh, in, in the Twin Geeks uh, with some Twin Geeks friends. Uh, I streamed play, my playthrough. And uh, uh, um, Murph, who is uh, also a future guest uh, on the podcast, uh, so you'll hear him at some point, uh, he, uh, he, he mentioned uh, um, afterwards, after we, after we beat the game, he said, like, this is a game where uh, stuff... Uh, uh, basically uh, happens or do doesn't happen depending on whether you uh, you you see it basically <laughs> you have to observe something for it to be to manifest as a reality which is a, an interesting an interesting thing also game design wise or also like philosophically like like it's like constructivist game design basically where uh, reality is only what whatever you perceive uh so oh, yeah i mean i mean i definitely see it as like game. a movie sense that's that's how i saw it was like yeah. if if you don't see it the scene doesn't happen and if the scene doesn't happen you can't know about it and it can't be part of the sort of way it's played you know right right that all that gives the game an interesting bend that it doesn't really lean into too much like ultimately it's not like it leans into this being like the sort of your, your psychological and it's like being your perception of things or whatever but uh, it's still interesting really interesting way to to deal to deal with uh, sort of varying uh uh you know ways uh, the events can shake out um and uh yeah so i don't know what so the couple things like who who which um person you will meet that will give you the information um 
uh, I don't know what that depends on, what, def what uh, determines that seed. Like also at the start, the first, like one, one, one uh, other orphan, orphan will definitely die. And that it can also vary. So I don't know if it's like you start a game and you get assigned a random seed, basically, uh, and that will be the game. Or if that is, if there's something where you can manipulate it, I, that, I don't know, I couldn't figure out. But, uh, but, but yeah, uh, so there's slightly different, uh, ways that can go and uh, the game is basically based uh sort of knows that it's about the different endings and in the on the title screen you will uh it, it there's a list it will keep track of which ending you've gotten and uh, have it all you know there and you can look at it again uh so you can uh, go for unlocking all the endings um the endings basically uh fall into two groups i would say which uh are, are you know the the two groups are pretty similar uh, respectively with slight variations one is basically you make it out and the other is basically you die in various ways uh, you fail to to make it out um, and then you know there's some slight uh, differences uh, there but it's, it's not like huge I, I personally I would say if you have one successful playthrough just Look at the rest on YouTube. It's not they're not they're not Silent Hill endings. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, yeah, they're not they're not fundamentally different. They give you an entirely different perspective on what's happened. Um, right. I I think they're still nice, especially the ones where you fail oh, yeah. and die. I particularly like the car one. Um, right. The car one's really fun. Um, and I I saw a little bit of your playthrough, and you were trying to attempt the car. If you attempted the car, like one or two more times you would have gotten the car ending and the car ending would have been you dying <laughs> yeah uh, so basically there's a car in a garage uh, or like a shed or whatever and it you know it's set up so that you think oh yeah you have the keys for it and you can drive out so it's like okay i'll drive out uh so jennifer goes to the car and she's like i don't i can't uh, like and i know there's still friends here. my friends are still in danger uh i i can't do it and um and there's two ways this can play out. If you basically go into the car again, she will again have qualms. And the third time you do it, she's like, okay, I'll I'll drive out. And then what happens? You get in a way punished because Scissor Man is waiting on the back seat. You drive out and there's a cool scene hap that happens where, where he, you know, you see the scissors slowly rise up in the mirror. Uh, see, and, those are uh, way that's... more cooler sort of ominous deaths than the normal death that you get. Most yeah. of the time, the death, the normal gameplay death is just him stabbing you with the scissors once. Right, but although it's never graphic, it's never unnecessarily graphic. Um, yeah. But but yeah, uh, and so, but what happens if you before you attempt that, if you already see uh, the other orphans all dead, if you have the knowledge or see observe all the other orphans dying? Then what happens is completely different. You actually escape in the car. You don't. There's no scissor man in the back, and then but then you get a message, like you get a an epilogue where it's like you uh, Jennifer made it out and headed back to like f fled back to the orphanage where she was found murdered three days later. So that's also you you again die. You don't have the scissor man in the back uh, of the car, but you uh, you still get a bad ending because you sort of took an easy way out without dealing with uh, the mysteries of the place and also you needed you to saw... confront 
you saw you're... everyone die as well so it's left open but yeah who murders you but 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 yeah uh you basically didn't figure out what what what's going on in that, in that mansion uh so yeah that, that that stuff is really cool i would say the actually the um the the endings where you die are more very more than the ones where you make it out basically i agree uh there you just survive and there's different ways like the final sort of confrontation plays out and interestingly enough the sequels are or the sequel is basically uh actually uh doesn't sort of uh, picks up uh with basically no one else uh, surviving uh no other orphans i should say surviving um the the events even though in the first game you know the, what you would normally consider the best ending uh, and i guess it is the best ending it's just not a canonical one is you can actually save uh, one of the orphans and sort of make it out with with, with them um so that's the best best ending that you can uh go for but uh yeah it, what we should uh, there's a couple things we should talk about I th- personally i w- really want to highlight the look of the game and the soundtrack um, I, I think they're the standout best parts of the game yes absolutely the game is uh has a fantastic atmosphere it looks really good it's really nice pixel art uh for the place uh, really good animations uh that sort of convey, convey what they need what they need to convey um very creepy in that sense and the soundtrack is really uh the the argento homage extends to the soundtrack it sounds very much like a goblin soundtrack uh from uh the game takes a lot from phenomena uh but it also uh takes a i'd say the second film it takes the most from is uh um suspiria from uh, argento like uh, the places it goes toward the end end are uh, basically Suspiria, um, and the soundtrack is super effective and it's really cool. I would say it is one of the standout horror game soundtracks that I've heard uh, outside of uh, Silent Hill. Um, it's very very well done, and so I will highlight the composer Koji Nikura, who uh, who did the soundtrack. Uh, it's fantastic work. I I, uh, I had seen Suspiria previously, but I I watched Phenomena specifically for this cast, and That's uh, yeah, it's it's very apparent. Um, yeah, th- there's definitely its own thing. I think this is goes for less of a Ar- Argeno does more with what he's got, and obviously I'm not blaming the game for being a game, mm-hmm. uh, but it, this is much more simple. In the you're going to a mansion and someone's hunting you down. Um, yeah, th- there's there's definitely aspects of it that are like fully conveyed like uh the the transfigured child is a really good example because what's chasing you is basically a little monster kid um right. and that's that's very you know up the alley and um yeah. especially when you get near the end when it's sort of like a mother obsessed with her children mm-hmm. um that's that those are like where it really starts to bubble over yes and let's say the way you sort of discover uh hidden parts of uh, like a hidden location let's say uh, it's also super argento um it's interesting because they uh the characters actually they digitalized uh photographs and uh had uh you know had people act out certain animations and digitalized that for the um for the character uh 
graphics and character animation. Obviously, they couldn't capture the animation there, but the graphics sort of themselves, the sprites, they they did with this uh, technique of digitizing uh, uh, photographs of, of real uh, people, which is uh, it 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 sort of is uh, I don't know it was worth it. I would say it, it is a really cool. Uh, it looks really cool. Um, even and they did it even though there was it was a small project uh, that actually had to uh, take you know they like the map was supposed to be bigger initially and also uh, they even at this initially they wanted to have mouse support because of course the Famicom did have a mouse uh, um, if you recall for Mario Paint for example um, uh, although it got actually for the PS1 version it actually supports a mouse it supports the PS1 uh, mouse so they was it were able to to add it back in in the port but uh, but yeah they um, they did a lot here with uh, with you know not that many resources with a small team and uh, I think it's uh, like immediately apparent and rightly a cult game a cult uh, has like a cult status and it's a fan favorite uh, um, yeah personally uh, I think it I mean since it is an adventure game uh, it is, you know, it has the some some uh, some problems there, of course. Like um, some items you can easily miss if you don't know they're there, uh, or, or you're struggling to click on something, and because there's an yeah. urgency to it, you're just like, all right, what, what am I clicking here? Or when you have to react with the panic button, you know, just th- there's little things. There's little things the game doesn't yeah. tell you either, like the rest mechanic, especially like and all that, you know. Um, Right, it doesn't tell you the rest mechanic, and the the panic thing is basically like QTE, right? Uh, like I th- I'm thinking of one late uh, one of those where it's basically a quick time event. <laughs> if you don't know about it, you will you will die the first time. <laughs> yep, yeah, and uh, that that's sort of just like a general thing. I I like sort of the other ones. I like the bird. I wanted to mention the parrot. Um, it it if you let it out, it'll fly around and say I kill you, I kill you, um, and it does kill you. Um, but yeah, also you have, you can wrap it up with the bed and then after that you can use the bed as a hiding spot. Yeah. But also that's predicated on certain things that you do that. And, uh, yeah. uh, like when you don't know that you can't do it while, because you're in, uh, the panic mode, uh, you know, you won't, you probably won't try it again. Like if you, the first yeah. time you're in panic mode and you just get killed by it and try to, uh, you know, figure out a way to, to deal with it, then uh, you will just. Uh, but but it's at the same time, it's easy to just ignore it. You don't have to click on the parrot. And but, uh, but like ultimately speaking, yeah, that I mean, it, it's not adventure game logic. It's more just like the trial and error. It beckons you to just like yeah. figure these things out in a certain way, or sort of like play yeah. multiple times to where you yeah. understand what's going on. Um, the which, mechanics, uh, yeah, you know. The mechanics I won't fault it for because you know you had manuals. It was it was in a manual. It's just uh, no, no but more so. I'm more so talking about like even just like the the what to put where or where to find things. Like oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. need to go to the fridge and pull out a piece of ham. Okay, you know what I mean? Like just yeah, it it you know it's just like sort of different right. things or whatever um, yeah. that you wouldn't know beforehand and you will find out eventually. Um, that being said, um, I still like it a lot. And it, if I were to like trace what what happened after, mm-hmm. I think 
I think a lot of this game had like a huge impression. I think Alone in the Dark also does a lot of the same things, especially when you look at later titles. But like the the heavy emphasis on items and problem solving remains mm-hmm. to this day in survival horror, even if it's an action title. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it just becomes the bulk of the experience where it is navigating an area, familiarizing yourself with an area, and then solving the problems within to explore new areas. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say it just inherits sort of some... some uh, it inherits the problems like from, you know, the main genre it adapts, which is point and click. Uh, so... Uh, but yeah, they, it's it's yeah, it's right that you mentioned that it's these problems sort of persist uh, even even today or even in like uh, horror game persisted even in horror games moving forward. Absolutely, I agree uh, with that. Yeah, um, is there uh, sort of uh, anything regarding uh, Clock Tower you uh, you want to talk about still? Like any? I uh, I would I would continue it? to explore further. Uh... I'm glad we started with this one. I didn't want to play like an Alone in the Dark or whatever, but I'm curious to see how other survival horrors, when we look at them, uh, expand or sort of go in different directions. Um, you know, you know what I was also reminded about when playing this, and I wanted to talk only briefly about it, and you're gonna laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking until dawn. It it reminds me of this because it, because uh, of the heavy cinematic yeah, yeah, yeah. feel. And, right, and right. because of the sort of like, it's not an actual route, but it's based on what you've done, sort of the endings and scenes you get. Hmm, That's hmm. very similar. And I think, I think to go back to what the discussion was previously, um, I, think a, I think a clock tower in that style could work. I don't like Until Dawn, but I think Until Dawn goes for a much less appealing approach. It goes yeah. so, for more of a, like a typical slasher-esque thing and doesn't really draw from actual inspirations, visually or otherwise. It's yeah. just sort of there. Yeah, it's an interesting parallel with Until Dawn. Yeah, I know. And you got the people, yeah, sort of people who you can lose or you know who can't survive yeah um i think the mm, the yeah the the sequels uh the first two are uh re- pretty similar just in 3d on a ps on ps1 both of them uh but the third one on playstation 2 uh is much more uh sort of much more is less adventury and more uh, you know more classical uh, now classical uh, uh, survival horror, uh, where it's like action. You know, you have like uh, you you still escape, but um, in that sense, it's much more about direct input and uh, and uh, you know escaping. Uh, similar to haunting haunting grounds, is it on PS2? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there you have like several killers uh, over the game, uh, over the course of the game in uh, in three. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the I think the game is overall it is extreme. It's an extremely interesting game with with a great aesthetic uh, and uh, sort of a lot of things about it that I really enjoy and I think are really really interesting. I think in the execution it falters a bit. It sort of loses some points. Like I think like I really like the visual realization of the ending, but the ending itself is a little abrupt. You know, it is a little. It's very. Do, it, do you it think a remake would, mm-hmm. would suit this sort of uh, type of game? 
Remaking it, uh, remaking this first clock tower, you mean? With yes, more... specifically the first clock tower. Uh, I don't know. It would more be like, uh, I don't know. It would more be like, um, I, I think it's, I, I don't know, I think it's, I wouldn't say it's the kind of game that wouldn't, yeah, that would, you know, benefit that much from a remake. I don't know. Because I, I mean, to me, I to me, it's more, to more me, like the thing is, is like, I, I think, I think you could do things and go back to here and just fix one or two little problems, uh, otherwise, and then just it would be fine. Uh, like to me, if I would did it, I would just, I would just do high definition sprite work or you know what have you, or possibly go back as long as you make the art style still good. I wouldn't even want to do something like Monkey Island's remake. That that's still too far. But um, even then, like that, or like redo the scenes. Man, I just want to play this game with an official translation. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> did you? Did you? Uh, did you? Uh, were you not satisfied with the translation? Uh, I played the PlayStation one. Yeah. So I I don't know how different it was or if it was a straight port. But um, yeah, it, it it felt a little weird to me. Um, Oh, okay. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on it, but I would just rather an official release. It was a little bit weird, but an official one would have probably been weirder in '95. <laughs> so, at the time, uh, for sure, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I don't think that was the thing. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's an interesting question that you pose, but I think ultimately, I think it's a strength of the game. For example, that it it is it leaves uh, blank spots. So, so like in in a lot of different areas, like the kills not being explicit, but sort of you know, uh, not being the super violent kills, but sort of uh, sort of ending uh, where it's left up to the imagination. The rest, also uh, the abrupt ending, the execution is is a bit jarring, but the fact that it is sort of an abrupt ending, I also I kind of like again, and I like how it. Uh, Sort of, it's you don't have to like in modern in modern game you would like uh, uh, have like so many like notes and diary entries or whatever lying around who would like be like explaining things about what happened here to the family. Or you whatever. need extensive like, clock tower lore. <laughs> and in a way, here it's like one single instance where you literally have this thing where you. You know, you're in a room and there's like... Two it's, it's all in one room, basically. It's yeah. all in one room. It's like two notes and like a, a letter. And that explains basically everything. And But like, you know, just the, just the necessities uh, that, you know, and not much more than that. It doesn't try to create a lore or like, you know. Um, and I really like that reduced... Uh, uh, aspect uh, uh, of the of the narrative, and uh, I, I I agree. It, it, it really feels adds, it feels uh, yeah. It feels slim in a good way. Right, right. And then some stuff could be a little yeah. I don't know. It, I think it. I think the reason I said I don't think it needs a remake is because I think um, probably like a if you did like a ROM hack, I think a ROM hack would be um, better to address. A couple uh, things, you know, some points about it, but uh, I don't think, think think it needs a full-on remake. Um, I think that's fair. I think, uh, well, and I think better avail- availability also would be. Uh, that's, you know, I agree with that. It definitely could uh, use a an official uh, release, and I think, um, you know, it would it would be very much still appreciated, you know, because uh, horror games are very popular. Um, 
and uh, and you know, I think this uh, this game is is definitely oh, uh, I, I... despite its flaws and despite uh, you know um, some some shortcomings, I would say it's still super memorable and one of the one of the best best I've played, and I... and I have a very uh, particular relationship with horror, so um, so yeah. This this Flat was a mostly power. positive experience for me as well. I think I think I learned a lot from it. And I think I will play this game again, honestly. Uh probably mm. not anytime soon, but I, I will revisit it. Um that being said, I wanted to just end on a on a weird note. We fucked up on timing. Like we started this at the start of October. The game takes place in September, Pavlos. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Oh man. Uh well uh, We fucked I, up I, big time. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we fucked up. You could also say the game fucked up, but uh, <laughs> let's just say we fucked up. No, uh, I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. This is going to sound so dumb. I like the fact that it's in September. It being in October would be way too much. That's, like, not subtle at all. I, w- I wouldn't even have noticed. Uh, when I was playing it, uh, I was play- like the I was playing it with Murphy, you know, who's from America, and uh, Ollie, who's from Australia, and me and Ollie didn't notice it. And, of course... And uh, I find it funny that you noticed because, you know, it's Mervyn, you like the two Americans uh, noticed. Would immediately uh, notice that it doesn't take place during the spooky month. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the the tradition of Halloween and stuff and the fervor for, uh, for, you know, Halloween as a a month, not as a single day, but as a month. (laughs) Well, well, Uh, it's it's an aesthetic used to... uh, so people can buy candy and buy outfits. Yeah. Like, I, I, as an American, I love my holidays that are based entirely on uh, infor- like uh, encouraging consumers to c- keep consuming pointlessly. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> right. Um, no, but of course, yeah, a lot of people now uh, sort of try to uh, stylize mm-hmm. October. A lot of Americans, I should say, sort of uh, expand uh a Halloween into a month-long celebration of uh, of horror stuff, which uh, you know, uh, I, I find kind of I I think is uh, I guess ultimately more worthwhile than the candy stuff. I think, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's a hot. Take. No, I like uh, candy a lot. I love candy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, you, you ever think... go? You ever go to a place and get big old Reese's peanut butter cups? And <laughs> I'm just kidding, y'all. What, uh, what's the next game, Pablos? Oh no, you uh, hang on. Talk about candy some more. Uh, I will tell you in a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I, uh, I I love uh, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. I like Snickers bars. Milky Ways are great. I love candy, man. Uh, uh, if there's an entire holiday dedicated to it, that's not a problem. There's two holidays in America. Easter is basically a candy holiday too. We don't oh. we don't care about anything. We're not Catholic, really. Right, you don't care about eating a rabbit. No, uh, we don't do that. We don't really. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, what I, is I, it, Pavlos? It is. It is thief. Uh, the first thief. Uh, you know, we talk about. Uh, we had our debut to, um, this week with uh, Clock Tower, a horror game debut. Also talking about a formative horror game or a game let's say from the formative time of survival horror and next time we'll do basically have the analogy except in the stealth genre um so i'm really looking forward to that um uh, i hope you are too and uh, yeah right 
So I want to thank Much you for listening. Good. Thank you for uh, for for you know doing doing it, doing the thing with me, uh, Brogan. And no uh, problem. All right. See you. See you next time. Stay stay fresh. Stay frosty.